in April of 2008, I received a last-minute offer to attend Mass in Washington, D.C., celebrated by Pope Benedict XVI at Nationals Park. Someone who was supposed to go from my parish had taken ill, and so at the last minute, the youth minister called me, offering me the spare ticket. Now, as a high school freshman, I had never read or knew anything about Pope Benedict or Cardinal Ratzinger. But on that day, April 17, 2008, something happened in my life. With 50,000 people plus from all over coming to Washington, travailing through the DC Metro, it felt something like being part of that crowd, going to this town or to that, only to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Good thing for us, we had a jumbotron. But being in the presence of the Pope and gathered around so many pouring out their love for Jesus and for the church, I experienced that day that the faith is alive. And not only that the faith is alive, but the faith gives life. I saw people alive in Jesus Christ because they had laid down their lives for him. No matter which vocation they followed, these people had life and life in abundance. Experiencing that life led me to desire it for myself. And for me in that moment, I felt an overwhelming conviction that the way that Jesus was asking me to lay down my life was to be a priest. I remember that day, April 17th, 2008, not just because it gave me clarity to my vocation in that moment, but because it was also a day when my vocation was tested. No sooner had we left Nationals Park, no sooner had we come down off the mountain, so to speak, were we faced with the, with the protesters Protesters shouting nasty things, many of those nasty things directed at priests. There's no need for me to stand here and repeat what they said. You've heard it today. The very same things. By every earthly standard, the flame of my vocation to the priesthood should have been snuffed out that day right there on M Street in Washington. But by the grace of God, it wasn't. I didn't want to run away from a vocation to the priesthood. I ran toward it. I didn't leave the table. I doubled down. Because the life that I experienced in that stadium was too real, too full of hope and promise to abandon at the first sight of the wolves. The month of October, our preaching series entitled Called is about the different vocations that the Lord calls us to. Those ways, those states in life that he's called us to follow him. And this week we turn our attention to focus on the vocation to the priesthood and the vocation to religious life. But even if you're not called to be a priest, a brother or a sister, there's a message here for you as well. Now don't get me wrong, if you're an unmarried guy, I'm speaking directly to you about the prospect of becoming a priest or a brother. And if you're an unmarried girl, I've got a long list of convents for you to check out. But even if you're married or that's not your vocation, I ask you to take this to heart and to use it on the recruitment front. Because we need priests, we need brothers and sisters. I ask you to take this message and to encourage someone that you know, perhaps someone in your family, perhaps someone here today, someone in our parish who might have a vocation. But for anyone who considers a vocation to the priesthood or religious life, the world will always give pushback, especially today. In the wake of scandal and crisis, the most obvious objection to a vocation would simply be, why would anyone want to sign up for that? 
Why would anybody want to be associated with something so often in the public crosshairs? Why would anyone want to subject themselves to such humiliation and mockery? I believe that the answer to that objection is found in the gospel today. Jesus' encounter with the rich young man. The young man who has observed the law faithfully his entire life. He comes to Jesus to ask what else remains for him to do. And Jesus' answer disturbs him. Sell what you have, then come follow me. We're told that that rich young man chose not to follow the Lord. What can we say about this? Well, to me, it seems like the rich young man did a quick risk assessment. He compiled a quick pluses and minuses chart in his head, weighing the good against the bad about what Jesus was asking him to do. And after this deliberation, he concluded that following Jesus wouldn't be worth the risk. He was simply asking too much. It wouldn't benefit him in the end. The rich young man or woman of today could respond to Jesus in the exact same way, couldn't they not? Perhaps it's not financial wealth that holds them back, but perhaps it's the wealth of maintaining a good reputation in the eyes of the world. Perhaps it's the wealth of not being mocked or looked down upon for our choice to follow. Perhaps it's the wealth of not being rejected by those close to us for choosing to enter the seminary, the convent, or the monastery. Perhaps it's the wealth of not being embarrassed when we attract attention in public for wearing a habit, a cassock, or clerics. There are any number of reasons why today someone would respond just like the rich young man to Jesus' call. No way. It's not worth the risk. But whether it's the rich young man of Jesus' day or of our own, to list the pluses and minuses in this way tremendously underestimates the power of Jesus' promise. Jesus tells us that those who follow him will have a reward rich in heaven. That's true. But Jesus in the gospel today also tells us that for those who follow him and respond to their vocations, no matter what that vocation may be, that those people not only have a reward in heaven, but they have a reward right now, here on earth. The Lord says, there is no one who has given up everything for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now on this earth, not just in heaven, but now. Take note, Jesus doesn't say, if you follow me, there's a good chance your life might be pretty good. He's not asking us to be speculative investors when he asks us to follow him. He's giving us a promise and he is true to his word. If we give up everything, Jesus says, then you will receive a hundred times more than what you've given up. This hundredfold, my brothers and sisters, I think is one of the best responses to the objection that so many young people face who are discerning a call to the priesthood of religious life. Why would you want to be a part of that? Why would you want to associate yourself with that? Because that gives life. That gives meaning. It gives purpose. It gives value and meaning to our lives. No matter what we sell, no matter what we have to give up to respond to the Lord and to answer that vocation, Jesus guarantees it will work out in our favor. It's a promise. But what does this hundredfold look like? What does it look like concretely? I can only speak for myself, but I can honestly say that the hundredfold is right here. For me, this is the hundredfold that the Lord has given me. This parish, 
you all. I can't even begin to express in the four months that I've been here how many blessings I've received by being a part of this community, by walking with you in your faith, by talking to you about how you've encountered Jesus at daily mass, at Sunday mass, in our formation programs, in the programs that we run to help you evangelize, to prepare you for the sacraments, to accompany you in preparing for marriage or helping you to bury a loved one. The list can go on and on, but these are the things that the Lord has given to me. These good things, it's the hundredfold. I couldn't have imagined what this would look like. You know, the Lord tells us that when we give up everything, including our family, to follow him, he'll give us a family in return, a hundredfold. I'm so blessed to have my parents with me who love and support me very much, but I feel like I've accrued a few moms and dads even here at St. John's. Just a couple of weeks ago, Stacy Golden had to t instruct me on the proper way to thaw frozen hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, I need a lot of help. <laughs> but I look at the hundredfold that the Lord has given to me, and my prayer becomes, Lord, you're too good for me. You're too good to me. I've only done what was, what was required of me. I don't deserve the hundredfold, but Lord, I thank you for it. Help me, Lord, to lay down my life more and more every day to enjoy that hundredfold evermore. You know, I've talked a lot about myself, how blessed I've been, which isn't something I like to do that often. But I don't mean to boast. I don't mean to boast except to boast in Jesus Christ and how good he is to those who respond generously to him, to those who sell all that they have to follow him. My brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. We need priests. We need sisters. We need brothers. The salvation of the world depends upon it. He promises us that we will face persecutions when we choose to follow him. But even more, he promises us the hundredfold in this life and eternal life in the next. So I'd like to close with the words of St. John Paul II, who said, to do not be afraid. Open wide the doors to Christ. Do not be afraid to respond to a vocation to be a priest, to be a brother, to be a sister. Do not be afraid to pray that your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your niece, your nephew, your granddaughter, your grandson might have one of these, these vocations and respond with generosity. Do not be afraid to encourage someone to do the same. Jesus makes a promise that he will reward us with the hundredfold now. When we give of ourselves, when we open wide, the doors to him, the doors of our hearts. May we never be afraid to trust in his promise.